0: Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: The Johnson Wax Program. The makers of Johnson's Wax for and Industry present the Fibber McGee and Molly Program written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. And we welcome our special guest for tonight, an old friend and former Wistful Vista resident, Harold Perry, the great Gildersleeve. Music is by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Every now and then, I feel I should sit down and talk this wax business over with you men. I'm afraid some of you might be feeling neglected, and perhaps you don't realize there are some very interesting uses for Johnson's wax that would be helpful directly to you. Take your fishing and hunting gear, for instance. Last week, one man wrote, I've tried your wax on my fly rod and casting rod before I put them away for the winter, and it's wonderful. Another one said, Why don't you tell people to wax their guns? Wax protects both the metal and the wood, and it's dry and it doesn't get messy. All right, there are two uses for Johnson's Wax right up your alley, Mr. Sportsman. And don't forget to wax your golf clubs. Also, if you're a handyman around the house, just try a little Johnson's Wax on your tools. Saws, hammers, lathes, all of them. You'll find the wax protects the metal against corrosion, makes the tools last longer, and your work easier. Those are just a few of the extra uses for Johnson's Wax that are especially interesting to a man. (laughs) The Wistful Vista Gazette bothered to print the item at all. It would probably read: Rock Morton P. Gildersleeve, formerly of this city, and his nephew Leroy spent several hours between trains visiting at the home of friends today. For the two gentlemen in question are at this moment approaching the home of
2: Fever McGee and Molly. Hi, George Leroy. It's gonna be mighty good to see him again. My little chum, Pibber McGee.
3: I'm gonna be glad to see him, too, Unc.
4: Why, you don't even know him.
3: Well, I'll have to sit this suitcase down to shake hands with him, won't I? If I can shake hands with anybody, my right hand is numb.
2: Well, for goodness sakes, my boy, why didn't you tell me that suitcase was getting heavy? Here, try carrying in the other hand for a while.
3: <laughs> I did. I've been changing hands like it was a red hot nickel. You want to carry it for a while,
2: Uncle? I'd be glad to, Leroy, more than glad to. But I have to have both hands free in case McGee is standing on his front porch, and I have to wave to him. Oh, brother. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be great to sit down for a couple of hours and reminisce with old friends. It's
3: going to be great to just sit down,
2: period. (laughs) What a character that McGee is. To know him is to love him. And so few people know him. (laughs) Come on, Leroy, this is the house. Oh, uh, I can't wait till I see my little child.
0: Well, hello there, McGee. How are... Uh, Gee,
2: uh, it's, uh, may I ask who you are?
0: I'm Beulah, sir. Uh-uh. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'm, I'm,
4: I'm
0: Beulah. General facts Totem. for Mr. and Miss McGee. Facts, I told him be breakfast, lunch, and dinner every Tuesday. Yes, as of the laundress, the maid, the cook, and general futility woman. I think you mean utility, Beulah. Futility means it's hopeless. I know what I mean, boy. <laughs> well,
2: uh, look, Beulah, my nephew and I are... Oh, what was that?
3: Just me, Uncle. I just set the suitcase down. Oh, oh brother, my hands. What do you do to increase your circulation?
2: Use more cartoons, run a serial story, and crusade against something. Oh.
3: <laughs>
2: my old <own> newspaper training.
3: <laughs> now, what was
2: I saying before? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm Mr. Gildersleeve from Summerfield, Beulah. Uh, this is my nephew, Leroy. It
0: Give me great pleasure to meet you, sir. You too, Mr. Leroy. Please come in.
2: Oh, thank you. You know, I'm an old friend of the McGee's, Beulah. Uh, will you tell Mr. McGee that I would like to see him? No, sir. Uh, what?
0: He ain't here, sir. Him and Miss McGee scram out of here first thing this morning. I don't know when they're coming back.
2: Oh, that's too bad. Well, we'll stick around and hope they'll get back before we have to catch our train. <laughs> and we'll just make ourselves at home for a while. Yeah,
0: you do that, sir. I, I hear a great deal about you, Mr. Gilt, please. From Mr. McGee, Bueller? No, sir, from a friend of mine, Bertie Lee Coggins. Oh, Bertie Lee Coggins, my cook. Uh-huh. Well,
2: well, what does she say about me, Bueller?
0: Well, she say... Well, you two gentlemen, just relax while I go brew you a cup of tea. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: Make mine roof there, will you, Bueller? I'm trying to conquer my craving for tea.
0: He's trying to conquer his oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that boy. Have <laughs> <laughs> well, you a it? I'll be right back.
2: Oh, uh, dear. Good old 79 wistful Vista. Place looks just the same as when I was here last. I wonder where McGee keeps his cigars.
3: I thought you didn't like his kind of cigars. Oh, Leroy, I... You told me he smoked cigars that tasted like a hot overshoe and smelled like a pile of burning feathers.
2: (laughs) Yes, I know I did, Leroy, but after all, man's taste in cigars is a personal thing, and what are you doing?
3: Look, Unc, a crystal radio set. Is he kidding?
2: (laughs) No, he just gives up hard, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) McGee would have been a rich man today if he hadn't been so stubborn, Leroy. He kept 10,000 shares of stock in a bubby, buggy whip company. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. He kept 10,000 shares of stock in a buggy whip company, Leroy. When he could have sold it and bought in with Henry Ford. I was more intelligent. I sold mine.
3: Gee, did you buy
2: it with Harry Ford? Well, no, no, I didn't. Uh, My, isn't McGee going to be disappointed if he doesn't get back before I leave?
3: Uh, What did you buy when you sold your buggy with stock,
2: Unc? Huh? Well, I made other investments. Uh, how I'd like to see Molly McGee again. (laughs) Yeah, there's a grand woman, Leroy. Sometimes... Did
3: you buy U.S. Steel? Uh,
2: No, I didn't. Remind me to tell you sometime, Leroy, (laughs) just what a magnificent woman Molly McGee is. Why, one time...
3: Railroad stock? No. Well, gee, Aunt, what did you buy? You better tell me I'm young and my character is just (laughs) forming.
2: I bought a thousand shares of international high-wheeled bicycles, and I don't want to discuss it any further. (laughs) Oh, hello, Beulah. Oh, thank you very much.
0: That's all right, Mr. Gilsey. Here's your root beer, Mr. Leroy. Thank
2: you. Now, don't let us disturb you, Beulah. You just do whatever you're doing, and we'll sit here and wait for Mr. and Mrs. McGee. Yes, sir.
0: I'll be upstairs in the bed. You want some? You just follow now. Let me see now. I drink to you. <laughs> uh,
3: let me see now. I, I drink to you. Leroy,
2: what's the matter with you holding your root beer up like that muttering?
3: I was practicing a toast to Mr. McGee. You? you want to hear it? Frankly, no. Oh, it's a darbunk. Very sophisticated. Listen. <clears throat> it goes, I drink to your health when we're together... I drink it when I'm alone. I've got to your health so darn on much I've darn near ruined my own. <laughs> uh,
2: I, I'm afraid you're getting in with a flashy crowd at Peavy's Drugstore, Leroy. <laughs> Next thing I know, you'll be drinking Coca-Cola out of some girl's slipper.
3: <laughs>
2: and knowing that crowd of hopscotch players you go around with, I'd seriously consider the sanitary aspects
3: that again, I'll...
2: Never mind. Never mind. I'll never be able to say it again.
4: <laughs>
2: uh, I guess I'm a little nervous. Sit down now and I'll... We'll relax till McGee gets home. If, if I, think... I can.
3: <laughs> I think I'll just look around a little bit. Uh, you said he had a kind of a workshop down in the basement. Can I take a look?
2: Workshop? Why not? I don't think McGee would mind. Just be sure. you... Leroy!
5: Leroy! Not that door! That's the whole... Leroy! Cl- <laughs>
3: Is that the one you were telling me about, Unc? (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's the one, my boy. Billy
3: Mills
1: from the Orchestra Play. Take it easy.
2: Often, Leroy. Every time McGee would open this closet, I'd see it. I put it back the best way you can.
3: What do you mean put it back? You can't get all this stuff into that little closet.
2: It came out of there, didn't it?
3: Did you ever try to squirt the juice back into a grapefruit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look up! What's this black
2: box? Well, split my tail and call me P thirty eight. That's a brownie camera I loaned to Fibber McGee years and years ago
3: years ago, if you believed in brownies.
2: You pal around with McGee long enough, Leroy, and you get so you believe in brownies, gremlins, pixies, elves, gnomes, and the synthetic rubber program. (laughs) You know what I loaned him this camera for? Sure, it
3: was so corny looking
2: you wanted to get rid of it. No. I loaned McGee this camera to take pictures of the president one time when he came through Wistful Vista. Gee,
3: Louisville?
2: No, Coolidge. (laughs) Yeah, but you wouldn't remember that. To your generation, FDR is like the RFD. It's always been there. (laughs) By George. Imagine keeping a man's camera this long.
3: What was that, a grandfather's
5: clock?
2: Uh, McGee's grandfather never had a clock, Leroy. He kept time by coming out of his cave and looking at the stars. (laughs) That was a doorbell.
5: Come in. Oh,
2: very good. Heavens, what goes on here? (laughs) Well, Sigmund Wellington, how are you, Sig? Why, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, as I live and breathe with some difficulty owing to a touch of asthma. (laughs) Nice to see you again, old man. Well, nice to see you, Sig. Are you still operating that fire trap you call a movie theater? My dear fellow, I would have you know that the Bijou Theater is rated A-1 by the Associated Peanut Plant of America. (laughs) Well, what have the Associated Peanut Flanders got to do with it? We feature their product in the lobby displays, Phil. This week we are showing Madame Curie with a large sign which says, Garson likes pigeons, pigeons like peanuts, wouldn't you?
1: <laughs> it's
2: been very effective. Hasn't sold any peanuts, but people stick their chewing gum on the sign which saves the seat. Ah, <laughs> uh, Throckmorton, Martin, old man to... Who is the young fellow? Oh, excuse me, Sig. This is my nephew, Leroy, from Summerfield. Leroy, Mr. Wellington. Hello, son. Hi, Mr. Wellington. You from the
3: same family tree as the Duke of
2: Wellington? Uh, I don't think so, my boy. In this case, the tree grows in Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Hmm.
2: Still the same old Crockmorton, Orange, you old man. Nice to see you again and hear the old jokes some more. And speaking of old jokes, where is McGee?
3: Well, here, well, here, Duke. Oh, I mean, Mr. Wellington, he and Mrs. McGee went out somewhere.
2: We're hoping he'd get back before we leave, Sig. Can we give him a message for you? If you would be so good as to. Please tell him. <laughs> please tell him that if he does not tell us exactly where in the lobby he left the unsmoked portion of his cigar last Saturday night, we shall be forced to close the theater.
4: <laughs>
2: the patrons have been complaining, and we have had several nasty notes from the health department. Men? Every word of it. Good day. <laughs> Uh, yes, he's really a splendid fellow, though, Leroy. Now, let's get busy and put this stuff back in the closet. Hey,
3: Alex, look! A Hawaiian steel guitar made out of wood.
2: Uh, that's a mandolin, my boy. A very popular instrument when I was a young man. Let me see it.
3: You mean you can play that thing, off?
2: My boy, I hope the day is far distant when you go to heaven. But when you do, you'll never hear a harp strummed with the grace and delicacy with which I pluck tender, throbbing chords from the heart of this lovely instrument.
3: Oh, brother.
2: Don't be skeptical, young man. <laughs> now listen to this. Oh, the moon shines tonight oh. on pretty red
4: God. <laughs> The
2: breeze is sighing As an eyed bird sigh Well, I'll be a Hello there, Brock Morton How are you? Harlow Wilcox By George, you're a sight for sore eyes, my boy I'd like to have you meet my nephew from Somerville, Leroy, Mr. Wilcox
3: Hi, Mr. Wilcox Hello, Leroy oh, Gee, are you the Harlow Wilcox we hear on the radio that tells about Johnson's wax? Uh,
2: yeah, he's the one, Leroy Not only on the radio by trying to keep Johnson's wax out of his ordinary conversation is like holding back a tornado with a palm leaf fan. <laughs> well, that's my job, Throcky.
1: Gee, whiz, when I'm hired to tell people how Johnson's wax on floors, furniture, and woodwork seals the surface against dust and dampness, aside from beautifying it. Well, I'd do it, that's all. What would you do if announcing were your profession?
2: Well, in my case, it wouldn't be a profession. It would be a craft.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I don't get it. He
1: don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the same, Rocky, I'm mighty, I'm mighty proud of being with Johnson. Uh, you got it, too, huh?
0: <laughs>
1: Johnson's is a quality product, I'll have you know. And whenever you say Johnson's wax, you know it's the best
2: that money can... Hey, where's Fibber? So he and Molly went out, Harlow. Leroy and I hope they'll be back before we have to leave. Anything we can do for you? No, thanks, Rocky. Uh, how are things in Winter Swamp? It
3: isn't what, Mr. Wilcox, it's Summerfield. Oh, yes, yes.
2: <laughs> just wonderful, Harlow. I'm uh, quite a big figure in politics there, you know. You're quite a big figure out of politics, too, pal. <laughs> He's
3: got a burning ambition to be the next mayor of Summerfield, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, what's so funny about that, Leroy?
3: <laughs> I was just thinking of what the man in the barbershop said
2: about it. Uh, so some of the most misinformed people I ever knew got their educations listening to people in barbershops, Leroy. You'll never see so many public issues parted on the wrong side as you will in a barbershop.
3: <laughs>
2: what did the man in the barbershop
1: say about your uncle's running for mayor, Leroy?
3: He said burning ambition was a nice choice of words because i had about as much chance as a celluloid cat-chasing an asbestos... Yeah, Leroy! <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, hey, may I have your autograph, Mr. Wilcox? Here's a pen and paper.
2: Why, sure, Leroy. There you are.
3: She thanks. Uh, he
2: just started an autograph selection, Harlow. Now he's got you, Lummon Abner, and Walter Snarkfeld. Well, that's quite a start. Uh, who's Walter Snarkfeld?
3: It's a man who was in the railroad station at Thelenfield that I thought was George Lass and asked him for his autograph.
4: <laughs> well,
2: good luck with it, Leroy. Nice to seen you again, Frogmore. Well, nice to see you too, Harlow. Uh, my regards to those inside straight players at the Elks. They miss you and your two-card draws too, pigeons. They say you used
1: to hold more kickers than the Russian ballet. Yeah. So long, <laughs>
4: now.
2: Come on, Leroy. Let's get this junk put away before McGee gets home. Or we have to catch the train. Uh, what time did I say that train left, Leroy? I
3: didn't hear you
2: say, Uncle. Uh, well, I'd better call the station and find out. Hand me the phone. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the railroad station. The inn, for goodness sake. Is that you, Myrtle? <laughs>
3: Say. It's quiet.
2: How's every little thing, Myrtle? Tis, eh? What say, Myrtle? Your wire haired terrier. The cop charged him with breaches of the peace.
3: What did the pup do to the cop, Uncle?
2: Got a piece of his breeches.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what say,
2: Myrtle? Oh, I see. You don't remember me, do you, Myrtle? This is Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. That's well, nice to hear your voice, too, Myrtle. Remember the night I drove you home and I remarked how the moonlight on your red hair was. Huh? What was that? Oh, well, one of you girls has red hair because I... Oh. Oh, yes.
3: <laughs>
2: I'll give my best to Mabel, then.
4: Goodbye. <laughs> oh, what tricks
2: a man's memory plays.
3: What time does a train go, Unc?
2: What train? Train of where? Oh, my, the train. Oh, yeah. My, George, I got so interested. I'll bet this is McGee now, Leroy. What does he ring
3: his own doorbell for? Is he bashful?
2: <laughs> I never thought of that. Probably somebody else. Come in. Hello, McGee. Doc Gamble! Hello there, you old morgue merchant. Why, gildersleeve. Hello, Throcky, my boy. Welcome back to the scene of the crime. (laughs) Good. You staying with the McGees? No, my nephew and I are just here between trains, Doc. We haven't seen the McGees yet. Doc, this is my nephew, Leroy. Leroy, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Leroy.
3: Hi. Are you the Dr. Gamble who took Uncle Mort's appendix out?
2: Oh, yeah, he's the one, Leroy. And a very neat job, too. Can't even see the scar if I keep my coat collar turned up and my trouser cuffs turned down. (laughs) Don't listen to that big hypochondriac, Leroy.
3: What's a hypochondriac,
2: Doctor? A hypochondriac is a man who looks at the world through rose-colored capsules. It's a man who's always taking his own pulse because he likes to hold hands with himself. Good old Doc, just as cynical as ever. You haven't much hope for the human race, have you, Doc? I think it'll be a photo finish with everybody disqualified. That's why I'm such a happy character, Throckmorton. I repair people one at a time. It's the ones who try to improve people wholesale whose corpuscles go prematurely white. Very
3: good.
2: Don't be a doctor when you grow up, Leroy. Why not? You get
3: extra gas rations, don't
2: you? <laughs> There's a silly reason for choosing a career as any I ever heard. Sit down, Leroy. Still got the same old office stock? Oh, yes. I like it because it's so convenient. Just a gallstone throw from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs>
0: By the way, where's uh, McGee? They on
3: here, and the cook doesn't know when they'll be back.
2: Well, I got to dash along, Doc Morton. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too, you old sofa cushion. <laughs> Why the rush? You got a serious case? Yes, yeah, Nick DePopolis. Nick DePopolis? Oh, I know Nick. What's the matter with him? He was leaning out of a fourth-story window watching a parade and fell out. Oh my gracious, Doc, was he? In... Fortunately, there was a load of hay passing under the window at the time. Oh, well, thank goodness I was. But afraid. Unfortunately, Nick missed it and broke his leg. So long, <laughs>
1: The king's men sing. You can't say no to a
5: soldier. You can't say no to a soldier, a sailor or a handsome buddy. No, you can't say no if he wants to dance. If he's gonna fight, he's got a right to no man. So keep your powder dry, baby. Beautiful and dutiful too If he's not your type Then it's still okay You can always kiss him In a sisterly way Oh no, you can't say no You gotta give in If you want your soldier boy to win Listen, little lady It's the order of the day Issued on the highest of authority Beggars in the service simply can't be turned away. You know that defense must get priority, so if you're patriotically inclined, just heed that call to arms and keep this thought in mind. You can't say no to a soldier, a sailor, or a handsome money. Oh, you can't say no and you can't resist. If he's gonna fight, he's got a right to be kissed. So. Father dry, baby, be beautiful and dutiful too. If he's not your type, then it's still okay. You know that you can always kiss him in a sisterly way. Oh no, you can't say no. So now what are you waiting for? You know that good good for a girl like you, he's gone.
2: is doing in the basement. Oh, well, he can't hurt himself. McGee never had anything sharper than a show shovel. Uh, no shovel. <laughs> well, Leroy, how is everything in the basement? Oh, I... Uh, oh, excuse me, miss. Uh, my nephew was down in the basement when I heard you come. I thought, uh... How do you do?
6: <laughs> how do you do? Where, are Mr. and Mrs. McGee. Well,
2: Bueller says they went out this morning and haven't come back yet. My nephew and I stopped in to visit him between trains, and well, I'm an old neighbor Mr. McGee's. My name is Gildersleeve.
6: Oh, yes. I've often heard him speak of you. Ooh. <laughs>
2: well, isn't that grand? And your name is...
6: Alice, darling.
2: Oh, uh, mine is Throckmorton, dear. <laughs> Uh, And your last name?
6: Darling.
2: Oh, but I really want to know.
4: (laughs) Oh, my
6: name is Alice Darling. Darling is my last name.
2: Yeah, I think it is, too. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're Alice Darling. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, a relative of McGee's, my dear. No,
6: no, I just live here, room and board. I work at the airplane plant on the swing ship.
2: Well, good for you. What part of the plane do you work on, Miss Darling?
6: I weld an alignment flange to the hydraulic booster gear for the starboard flap. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Is that so? Sounds fascinating. Starboard flaps. Well, what do they think of
6: next?
2: I'm a former pilot myself, you know.
6: Jeepers, are you really, Mr. Gildersleeve?
2: Well, in a modest sort of way, I had three hours in a Piper Cub.
6: Oh. <laughs> Isn't that thrilling? Uh, oh, I just love flyers. They're so, well, sort of, uh, kind of, well, like eagles, sort of. Oh,
2: like eagles, yes. What an egg I laid on my first landing. <laughs> I bounced clear over the control tower. For months around the landing field, I was known as Yo-Yo Gildersleeve, the silly ace. Oh, but
6: didn't you just love it, Mr. Gildersleeve? Oh, yes,
2: I did, Miss Darling. I really did. In fact... I offered my services to Jimmy Doolittle when the war started.
6: And what did he say? He said no. (laughs) Oh, well,
2: at my age, I'd probably have to fly a transport plane anyway, but I'm a pursuit man at heart.
6: I'll bet you are. Well, nice to meet you, Mr. Gildersleeve.
2: Good day, my dear. Yes, yes. Oh, well. Oh, my goodness. Almost train time and still no McGee. Leroy! Oh, uh, Leroy, come up here. Call me Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, no. Uh, no, Bule. I was calling my nephew, Leroy. We've just got about time to catch our train.
0: My goodness, Mr. McGee and Miss McGee, they're going to be awful perturbed that they miss you, sir. Huh? Yes, are you sure you can't reinstitute your intentions to depart at this immediate conjunction?
4: <laughs>
2: Beulah, I'd love to reinstitute my conjunction, but I gotta get back to Summerfield. After all, I'm in politics there, you know.
0: Oh, yes, I could still laugh. You could tell that I'm in politics? Yes, yeah. sir. You gotta laugh with a handshake, though. I never heard one.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Did you Call me,
2: Uncle. Oh, yes, Leroy. Get your hat and the suitcase. We gotta go catch our train. Leave the brownie camera for McGee.
3: Okay, Uncle. Um, I didn't want to play around with Mr. McGee's cheap equipment in the basement anymore, anyway. The
2: cheap equipment? Leroy? McGee may wear 58-cent neckties and cut his own hair, but when he buys workshop equipment, he buys the best.
3: Are you kidding? Then so why did all the teeth come off of his bandsaw when I merely tried to cut a piece of lead pipe in two? Oh? <laughs>
0: so all the teeth came off his he He for me, too. <laughs>
2: well, come on, Leroy. You sure you don't know where we could even phone McGee's to say hello, Beulah?
0: No, sir. They leave in such a rush this man. They didn't say nothing at all. The minute they read the letter, they're up and out.
2: Letter? What letter? Uh, Wasn't bad news, I hope. I don't know,
0: sir. They just dash away and holler back. Expect us when you see us, Beulah. Door slam.
2: Well, sounds like an emergency. Uh, You don't know who the letter was from?
0: No, sir, but it's right there on the hall table. Here it is, Hunk. You want to read
2: it? Uh, Maybe I'd better read the letter. Might be something I can do. Uh, Give it here, Leroy. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Dear Fibber and Molly, we'll be there Tuesday for several hours between trains and hope to have a nice visit with you. Signed Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. (laughs) Kill that little You're a little chum, eh? Leroy, I've changed my mind. Bring the brownie camera.
1: By the time we get together again, we'll be in April, the month of showers. There'll probably be wet feet tramping across the linoleum floor coverings in your kitchen and front entrance. It's an awfully good time to make sure those surfaces are well protected for their own good and yours. You'll save yourself lots of work and make your linoleum last much longer if it's protected with Johnson's self polishing glow coat. Then moisture and dirt cannot penetrate to the linoleum itself to cause damage. Wet spots are quickly wiped up with a damp cloth, and your floors continue to be beautiful and lovely. Because Glow Coat is self polishing, it takes practically no work, needs no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry, and in 20 minutes you have gleaming floors that you can be proud of. It's a very good idea to protect your linoleum floors now with Johnson Self Polishing Glow Coat.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to tell you that Jim Jordan, otherwise known as Fibber McGee, is recovering very nicely from his attack of pneumonia. Thank you for listening to Fibber McGee and Molly tonight without Fibber McGee and Molly, and for letting Gildersleeve come back to Wispel Vista. Good night, Fibber. Good night, Molly. Good night, everybody.
1: The great gilded wolf appeared on this program through the courtesy of France Cheese Company.